0: The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. All right, thank you, um, Jennifer. And uh, again, we we now enter into our time in God's word, which we take very seriously. Uh, This is, uh, we're told that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And so we expect now that as we submit ourselves to God's word that we would be changed and transformed individually and Communally as a people. So, uh, would you go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter five in your Bible, or if you have an app or uh, however it is that you read God's Word, um, go ahead and turn there with me. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up so somebody can get you a Bible? Okay, we want to make sure everyone can read along in God's Word. También um, si quieres la biblia en español y no tienes levanta tu mano y diga. Espanol. Y si no tienes una Biblia, uh, eso es un regalo uh, a usted. Y uh, esta mañana estamos en, en Hechos. Um, we're in the book of Acts again and want to make sure we can all have a Bible that we can read and make our own. If you don't own a Bible, uh, this is a gift to you, okay? We want you to have one and bring it with you uh, each week. And if you have a whole stack of them at home that you got from here, uh, g- g- give them away or bring them back because you're stealing. Uh, <laughs> keep one for yourself, though. Um, So uh, again, as we get into this this um, time together, let me just—we have a big chunk of scripture that we're in this morning together. So I want to prepare us and kind of give us some some uh, 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 handles, if you will, to hold on to as we read through it. And this is what we're going to see this morning. This is kind of broken up into four into four sections, and we see that um, that uh, uh, we see God's mighty works displayed, and then we'll see God's people persecuted. And then God's, God's works um, are, are, are denied. And then we see um, God's people rejoice. And so that's what we're going to be walking through. Um, as I look up here, is my mic okay? Um, okay. If not, just take care of it. Bring it up here or something. We'll, we'll go from there. Um, and uh, uh, so again, God's works displayed. God's, God's people persecuted. Then God's works denied. And God's people rejoicing. So that's where we're going to be. That's what we're um, walking through here together. And uh, uh, with that, let me let me pray together we believe that we need God to um, illuminate his word to us and we're going to pray that he will lead us and teach us. In fact, I'll I'll be real. I've had a weird morning. It started at four in the morning with me trying to uh, turn off my alarm and then banging my head on the nightstand and then going for a run. Pretty sure I heard three gunshots um, pretty close by and had some other weird interactions um, this morning. So uh, I'm excited. That means um, I'm excited here to see what God's doing. But all the more it causes us to remember to pause. Hey, we need him to lead us and to speak to us through his word. So let's pray and ask God to um, enlighten us to his, his truth. Um, Heavenly father, thank you for, for your word. And thank you that um, Lord, we, we are reminded um, that we need you even through small things like AV and different elements like that. But all the more in our, in our everyday lives, as we walk through the uh, call to worship and the time of confession and the time of of, of assurance of grace and now um, hearing and seeing and being shaped by the person and work of the good news of Jesus. Um, Lord, we we pray that you would remind us of our desperate need for you. And then, Lord, um, reveal to us your incredible, sufficient um, provision. So we thank you, we need you, and we come before you humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get into our time together here. Acts chapter 5, verse verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So um, right from the bat here, we see something going on with, um, it says none of the join them what's what's going on guys let's get the handheld if i can um we say we take jesus seriously but not ourselves so we're going to do that um maybe my ears grew overnight that might be it it's just not not working but um so so we see though that um that, that there's something going on. So if you weren't, haven't been here with us, or you, you kind of forget from you know, week to week what we've seen, this is the acts of who? The acts of God. We're walking through this series. We love um, being shaped by God's word. We take whole books of the Bible at a time. We walk through them. And even though at the heading it says the acts of the apostles, we're reminded that these are the acts of God. This is uh, acts are works. right? So again, we see God's mighty works On display, God revealing himself and his character and his power through what he's doing in and through his people. And last week we saw that God is generously providing for his church and fiercely protecting his church. And that showed up in a kind of an awkward, difficult text to walk through where two people from within the church, Ananias and Sapphira, dropped dead because of their hypocrisy, because they turned their backs on God and they used God for selfish gain. And, and God right away said, no, my church I take very seriously. My people, shaped by my gospel, I take very seriously. And they were judged and they died. And so that's what carries over right now as we get into verse 12. And then in verse 13 it says, not everyone was so sure they wanted to be a part of that. Um, yet as we go on it says that um, in verse 14, uh, sorry, verse Yeah, verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So on the one hand, people were like, I don't know that I want to be a part of that. Just for clarity, and I spent hours looking at commentaries and reading, and it's like, is the Bible contradicting itself right there? Like, between one verse and the other, everyone was afraid. No one wanted to be a part of it. And then a bunch of people were joining up. What's going on? Well, I'll just suffice it today to say this. That in a nutshell, it was... Because, again, that judgment happened within the church, right? And we talked about we need to take that seriously, that this isn't just like, quote, like, those heathens out there. God's, you know, going to pour out his wrath and all this stuff. That that revealed, no, God takes his church very seriously. He calls out hypocrisy, okay, pretending, playing church very seriously. So when it says that people were, were afraid, this is, this is other Christians, they were worried about coming alongside the apostles and being a part of um, all that they're doing. They were, there was some fear that entered into, into the church. And yet, God's mighty works on display always demand a response. There's always, someone's got to, you can't just sit there idly by and be like, yeah, whatever. And no, they, when God's word cuts to the heart and reveals the good news of Jesus, people respond. And so it says that many more continue to be added to their number. And... um. Something else that we've got we've to gotta really press into here as you look at that in verse, in verse 14 is it says that God added multitudes of both men and women. And I just want to take a moment, I could really get into this, but that's radical stuff. The fact that women are included here. And that's done all throughout this book of Acts and including Luke as he writes, the author of this, he wrote Luke and Acts kind of to go hand in hand, volume one and volume two. And consistently, he's revealing that God's glorious work, that, that God, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, um, who, who said, let there be light and let there be all things. And then the climax of his creation was, was man. And woman, image bearers of God, and that because of sin, which is essentially not God, on an individual and a communal level is saying, thanks but no thanks God, we don't want anything to do with your design, Um, brokenness and, and, and all kinds of hypocrisy and evil. And chauvinism and sexism and racism and all these things entered in because of sin. And you see the effects for thousands and thousands of years all throughout history of God's people being, being, being torn apart. And God's image individually and communally being distorted because of this sin that has entered into the world. But God doesn't leave us there and say, all right, you know, let bygones be bygones or just kind of, you know, work it out on your own. No, Jesus enters into the brokenness and then says, what, what, what you have, have distorted, the image of God, um, Jesus says, I have come to restore or to redeem. The, even the imagery there is to win back from slavery, to set free. And so you see here that, that he's not just giving in to cultural norms or, you know, social things here. That No, there is a radical reality to the gospel where God says, all my image bears. In this context, in this society, radically saying women are coming to faith and being restored in their identity and their image as, as being created by God. Okay, so we, that's something that in our day we would just miss and roll right past, but we got to pause and see um, the incredible beauty of God's word, amen, reconciling all things and all people to himself and to each other. And then um, as it continues on, though, we, we see um, God's, can, God's mighty works continue to be on display there. It says that, um, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is crazy. Like, God's works are so magnificent here that, that this guy, Peter, um, specifically, who's been kind of a key subject. And again, if you were just to read through Acts right now and you're going through it, you remember Peter just way back in Luke or just a couple, a couple chapters before, if you will, just a few months before Peter denies Jesus And he has this whole interaction with Jesus. And and then he's restored. And now you see the effects of the gospel on display. And now this guy, Peter, is walking through the streets. And people are so enamored by the works of God that they think that even his shadow going over them will bring healing. And it does. And that's more significant even than we've seen in Jesus' own ministry when he was on the earth. Okay the closest thing to it in one case is is someone who has a, a woman who is who is um hemorrhaging blood she seeks to touch the end of jesus's robe um, in order to be healed or the end of his garment in order to be healed and he is and there's this whole incredibly beautiful um interaction between them she, again he he gives her integrity and honor by, by 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 engaging her and talking with her and she is healed but that's but she still has to touch him and here we've got peter this guy who denied jesus is now restored by the gospel is now empowered to be a, a conduit through whom the mighty works of God would come. And people are just getting healed by his shadow going there. And here's the deal, guys. Big thing, okay? eyes on me, um, is, is this. The works and these healings and these miraculous things aren't really the big idea. And definitely Peter's not the big idea here. And the early church actually struggled with that for a while because we all like to create idols Right? We all like to replace God with something else and even take good things that God's doing and say, oh, it must be about this. And we can replace God. We can remove him here from this equation and then make it all about this. And so a lot of different uh, churches and different denominations even will really exalt Peter to a place that I think is not healthy at all. Okay? The hero here is not Peter. The hero is God. These are not the acts, the works of the apostles. This isn't like, look, we should be enamored with Peter here. And I think Peter would be the first to, to, to say that. And all these apostles, and there's a humility of, again, recognizing, I just denied Jesus, and yet because of his love and grace and acceptance, I am now being used mightily. I don't know all of our stories here or where we're all coming from, But let this be a moment to pause and not say, woe is me, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've come from. Or on the flip side, say it's all about me, I've done so many things, God should be thankful to have me in his corner. But no, wherever we're coming from, to say look at the good, mighty works of God on display through his gracious acceptance and decision to use broken people to accomplish his incredible, glorious goals. And so that's what's going on here. And people are healed. And and, and, and it's because Jesus, when he was on the earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, carried out all kinds of mighty works. But even greater, after he was crucified and then resurrected, and now ascended, God is purposeful here to carry out even greater works through Jesus who's now sitting at the next to the right hand of God the Father uh, ruling over all things through his people empowered by the Holy Spirit whom he sent this early church these ragtag bunch of believers bunch of followers of Jesus just like us today and I just want to ask us an honest question here is do we yearn for God to work mightily through us and to display his power and his character and his grace and his restoration and his forgiveness through us. Because it's the same God here. He's the hero, not Peter, not the apostles, not this early church. Look at all the things that they did. But no, look at almighty God, how he loves to to, to display his might and his character and his power and his goodness through his broken people restored by the good news of Jesus. And that's meant to inform us today. Amen? That's exciting. Let us long for that. Pray for that. That that's who God would, would shape us to be as his people. And yet, these, these religious authorities, as um, sadly is so often the case, are not too excited about it you see God's works coming not just by God zapping things all here or some of us in our in our culture maybe get excited about the gospel and all the intellectual theological platitudes that we can you know write and memorize and and write down on paper and all this stuff and that and that when we see someone put their faith in Jesus it's all about these intellectual philosophical transformation and changes but don't don't miss the fact here that in this whole first few chapters of Acts what we've been seeing is that God's might and God's power and God's works on display yes has has personal individual heart transformation and philosophical changes and and in all, all these intellectual realities, and yet it's very real and practical and present as well. This whole dichotomy of a social gospel and the real gospel, I don't even know what you'd call this, whatever kind of our tribe, if you will, or our camp tends to you know, think it's this and stuff. But no, it's his gospel. It's the good news of God on display. And again, his whole creation has been broken and distorted by sin. So he cares about this stuff, and you see a, a full and total restoration here going on. And that's not as comfortable for us. And and we need to press into that for a bit and and even maybe be convicted and consider, God, do I really want to embrace all your transformational work? Have I maybe gotten a little too puffed up and leaned on my intellect and these kind of this sacred secular divide, this kind of these out there things and not these in here things? And I pray, too, that we would be convicted as we now look at this next group of people. The religious authorities are threatened and it's and it's really ugly because um, probably many of us in here are religious authorities okay this is this is us as we read on here and we see God's mighty works on display, and then God's people persecuted by other religious people and so we see there in verse 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, and then it goes on. And, and so one thing that, that you see here, there's really good news is God's, God's mighty works can't be stopped or stifled. But first let's press in. What? Why did they... Get so upset. These religious authorities, and then in some of your Bibles, there will be Peru parentheses. It says that is the Sadducees. This is the Sanhedrin. This is the same group or the council that tried and convicted Jesus, and it's made up of two different groups of um, of the Jewish. Uh, people and it's the Sadducees and the Pharisees both and we'll see them both here reflected and talked about but the big idea that's not kind of the main idea the main idea is these are religious authorities who were who were called to be God's people God's representative given positions of authority and influence for God's glory and the good of others and yet they are enraged and they're filled with what look look at your bibles what are they filled with jealousy so often any of us in positions of authority and that's every every single one of us in this room has authority in some way all right we're even the poorest among us is wealthier than over 80% of the world so we've got some influence, some authority, some, some, and wherever those of us who are parents or teachers or employers or even employees that have more influence over other employees, Okay, we all have different elements of authority. And you see that these people, and it's so often the case, and I would even say a tendency for us as well, is to, is to see our, 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 our whenever our authority is being challenged, we start to, um, if we hold on to it too much and it's all about us and all about me, then when it's challenged, we resist exist and that 's what 's happening here and yeah i 'm reminded of a beautiful story again this week. I was having a conversation um over over coffee with a couple here the wisely is a much older couple, and um they have kids, grown kids um, and they were talking just briefly about their relationship with their own adult kids and how how much that 's been um the good news of God shown through their adult kids now convicting them or calling them out on certain sins and and, and revealing. And just I was thinking, I was paused with the humility that takes from people in authority. You know, I would be tempted to say, um, let me show you some pictures of you with a, you know, poopy diaper and me, right, helping you with that situation. So who are you to now question me? Right And we can all think of these different things where our authority and our influence is uh, is maybe challenged a bit, and it, it could be an incredible opportunity to be humbled and to remember the good news of God that that how he's used. Um, others now to form us and shape us and people that we poured into are now pouring back into us. And what an incredible, beautiful picture of the gospel. There's so many families here. I'm looking at people that I could, I could talk more about where you see this on display, but it doesn't just come easily. Okay. It's not our nature. All right hear me, your and my nature is to be offended is to be challenged is to say i don't want to bear god 's image, I want to bear my own image okay is again to be to be to be broken by sin and, and led by sin and to say i don 't want to be humbled right now i don 't want to be challenged right now I, who are you? And that's what's sadly and tragically going on with these religious authorities. It's so easy for us to read this and say, oh, them, those guys, the people that persecuted um, God's people, that's not me. The people that crucified Jesus, who are they out there? And let's maybe pause for a minute and say, maybe maybe it is us. And maybe we need to pause and look through that lens of what, what do I do with the authority God has given me and entrusted to me? And God's people are arrested, they're brought in into a public prison, and then though, as as we saw in verse 19, but during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And it continues on there through a, a whole section where they got freed, right? They're set free from prison. God's mighty work's on display. God's people are being persecuted. But God's not biting his nails and, oh no, now what do I do? Right? God just continues to carry out his work. He frees them. He sets them free. And... <coughs> And let's not miss what they do with their freedom, right? Like, oh, finally, man, we dodged the bullet there. We're gonna go, we're gonna go do our thing, we're gonna get out of dodge here they go right back to what they've been doing. They go on to sharing the good news of Jesus and and they know that their time in that place that, 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 that Jesus promised that his gospel would go forward. His mighty works would be displayed in Jerusalem and in Judea and in and in uh, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so they're still here in Jerusalem and now their influence of God's mighty works of the good news of Jesus is now starting to kind of reach out into Judea into the surrounding areas. And so, so you see God's people just go right back to it. And they start doing their thing and they start sharing the gospel. And these religious authorities don't know what to do about it. And they're like, oh man, uh, what do we do? Bring them here. And then someone's like, they're not there. They're gone. And then they go after them and they bring them back in and they stand before them. And then they say, um, didn't we tell you not to, not to share this stuff? Didn't we tell you to stop talking about Jesus? And then look what they do. Right, They, they, they say, um, you, you tell us which way we should go. Picking up in verse 29 there. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You decide, should we obey God or you? In this moment, they're, they're being persecuted right now. And they, and they I, I've got to believe they're tempted to just say, yeah, okay, all right, we'll stop. Or we'll change our tune, right? We'll do it a different way. But they say, we have borne witness to this. And so is God the Holy Spirit, by the way. The Holy Spirit, whom Jesus has sent, who now indwells us and fills us in our hearts. We have borne witness, we have experienced this. And let me let me ask Christian, who's here. Okay, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, who would say, Yeah, I'm a Christian, what would it look like to have so known? christ and tasted of him and be so dependent on him continually that when challenged we're brought to a place where you say how can i do any other martin luther famously said when he was challenged on his faith here i stand i can do no other so help me god or maybe you think of you know, Galileo, who was, who was put in, in prison and told, hey, um, just say the earth is, is, is flat and you'll be okay. And he's like, how can I? I've seen and experienced the reality that it's no longer. How much more to have seen and experienced the mighty works of God on display in your own life individually, in your community, in your family, and the people around you, and to say, I, I can't. I can't deny what I have seen that's the level of faith that Jesus is calling us to. Okay, let me be clear. He's not interested in In fact, you see his numbers are dwindling, okay? Jesus is not a good church growth uh consultant. Okay? When he had people following him, he's constantly calling us to a discipleship, a a following of him that is real, right? He says take up your cross and follow me, and that day the cross wasn't cool, right? It wasn't like a cool thing to be I with. It wasn't a shirt you would wear or whatever. It was not something good. And so Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And he he, he presses into what it really means to be one of his, to be a follower of his. And And it brings us to a place where you can say, I've so tasted and seen the good news of Jesus in my life and in the life of those around me that I can do no other but bear witness to what I have experienced and what I am living out and the realities and the truths of God And that's a boldness that you and I can't muster up, okay? You can't do so many push-ups and pull-ups and look so good and so cool and think yourself to that kind of boldness. It only comes by the power of God through the Holy Spirit whom he sent at work among us. We are reminded of these things as we gather together corporately and that empowers us to live all of life all for Jesus. It's not just a catchy phrase that just, you know, try harder, do better. No, it's saying, yeah, that's how I'm designed, and I can't live that out outside of the reality of the gospel coming to bear in my life and the Holy Spirit empowering me to do uh, and to live the life that I was created to live. What would it look like uh, for us, church, to, 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 to pray earnestly to be that kind of a, a people together? And, and, and as they face these these religious authorities, look what continues to happen they they don't um they don't respond the these um these 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 religious authorities are 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 offended and sadly um they can't see okay unbelief let me now talk to the, those of us here who are not yet followers of Jesus. you don't identify as a christian I want to encourage you like to Embrace that or own up to that if that's where you're at. This is a safe place to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. And we're not at all, we don't, I adamantly know that is not my job or my work to convince you or anything like that. We simply present the good news of Jesus, the gospel. That's what the gospel means, good news. We present that. And as we, in a few moments here, have a time of response, that's up to God calling you, drawing you, working in your heart, revealing himself to you, and we believe that when he does that, um, you know, it's, it's a knockout punch, if you will. There's no resisting, so I don't have to be smart and funny and try to convince you in any way. And, and when he does that, um, you, you can do no other but to respond in faith. And yet, let's look here at the tragic reality of these religious authorities. It's like they have Um, lenses on that are, that are, that are foggy, that are, that are, that are dirty and that need to be cleaned. And they are adamant about keeping them the way they want them to be. Even going out of their way to find an excuse to deny Jesus. And so we see that now um, in the next section is God's works are denied. Okay? God's mighty works are on display. God's people are persecuted and now God's works are denied. In verse um, 33 now, picking up there together, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Hey, verse thirty-three. So these religious authorities hear all this stuff, and remember, guys. Remember with me now. This is a funny scene. This is an incredible scene. What we've what we have witnessed throughout our whole time in Acts, right? Just a just a last chapter. We saw this person who was who was lame, not like you know nerdy, not like ASU or something like this lame, like like he was paralyzed, like you know couldn't walk from his entire life when he was like when he was like 40 years old, he had constantly been there, and, and then he was healed, and he was now walking and leaping and praising God, all these incredible mighty works of God on display. And, and while these, 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 these religious, while these apostles are getting, are getting scrutinized and persecuted, he's right there. They can see the mighty works of God on display, and yet they choose unbelief. They deny what is so clear before them. Let me plead with you this morning to be honest with yourself. Are you going out of your way to ignore and overlook the mighty works of God, revealing himself to you? Some of you in here I know have had a spouse go through a radical transformation in their own heart. Don't just chalk it up to what are they looking for? What are they, tra- oh, that's new. They found a new thing. That's God's mighty works on display. You, there are stories in this room of, of, of miraculous revelation from God. God's showing himself to us through changing individuals' hearts and lives. Don't, like, recognize that maybe you've gone out of your way to excuse that. And to ignore the power of God on display through restoring broken and lost people. Because that's what's happening here with these religious, they hear all this stuff. And oh, what would it have looked like for them to be cut to the heart and be, and say, man, you're right. Jesus has truly risen from the dead. And we've seen that on display through all these things that have been going on. Thousands of people, uh, putting their faith in Jesus and hearing the gospel preached in their own language and, and, this, and this lame man now doing, you know, doing jumping jacks right there in front of them. They're like, yeah, that guy was, was, was paralyzed like yesterday and now he's sitting there flexing his quads for us, right? Like that's, that's God's mighty works on display. But nah, there's got to be some other reason. I don't know. I... And we do the same thing. And this other guy, I'll just explain what goes on here. It says that a, another one of their council, a religious authority who is highly respected named Gamaliel, a Pharisee, Gamaliel, steps up and he speaks and he goes on this whole explanation and he says, whoa, whoa, like sl- slow down here because the whole religious council, the, he, the Sanhedrin, sends the apostles out right? Like, okay, kids, go outside real quick. Mom and dad are about to talk among us. And they send them out, and Gamaliel says, um, are you sure we want to persecute these people? Because remember, there have been a bunch of uprisings. And, and, and we'll we'll get into this in weeks to come, but this whole thing of a religious authority, like Jesus stepping up and a bunch of people following him here, if you continue on there to read, he says, remember Judas, not... Judas Iscariot, it's, it was a common name. A different Judas who had like 400 people follow him. Well, remember, it, that eventually fizzled out because there was no real substance to it, no real power. The triumphal entry, which we'll, um, which we'll you know, on, on Palm Sunday here in about a month. You see here we have a purple sash. We're in the, in the season of Lent, building anticipation for the, the history-shaping reality of Jesus' resurrection. The Holy Week, right? Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. On Good Friday, we celebrate Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and to, to put death and the effects of sin to death, and then victoriously raising from the dead, and that color of that sash has purpose and meaning. Purple is royalty because when Jesus came, the the kingdom of heaven he says is among you, is at hand. That Jesus came and brought the kingdom of heaven with him, and and so and then and then it will turn to red that sash on Good Friday as Jesus died, and his blood now defines. All of us. And then on Easter Sunday, it will turn to white and we'll celebrate that and, and, and that the, 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 through faith in Jesus, we are forgiven and restored and that's what, when we stand in response and when we stood in our time of assurance and grace. Okay, I'm just trying to connect some of the dots here for us on these things. We don't just do these things just to do them. But that triumphal entry on Palm Sunday that we'll celebrate, guess what? Jesus was like one of seven to do that. To march in and the whole deal, the pomp and circumstance so this guy, Gamaliel, gives this persuasive argument, and guy's like, guys, remember there have been others. If this isn't really from God, it will go away, and it's really, really good advice. And yet I think, tragically, what we see really happen here is, in, um, is right there in the end of, that, end of that section, I believe in verse 38. Uh, he, he says to them... Um, yeah, he says, you know, if it's God, it will be overthrown. Um, if it's from God, we don't want to be, we don't want to be found opposing him. And then, yeah, it says in the second part of verse 39. So they took, whose advice did they take? What does it say? His. They took his advice. All right, fine, we'll ignore God. We won't respond to him. We won't see his works on display. Yeah, that's a good persuasive argument there. That's an intellectual philosophical agreement that, well, okay, fine, you're right. If there, if this is of God, we don't want to be found opposing it. But if it is, it's like, you know, Pascal's wager or some of us. Like all this stuff, all these silly things we enter into. And, oh, yeah, it makes sense philosophically. So we just got to recognize sometimes, pause and look. Like, this is between you and God. Are, are you going to deny him or are you going to take someone else's advice? In this case, they took this man's advice. Helpful advice, yes, but still not God's. They're not responding to the gospel. And then we see that even on display in the very next, uh, next verse, in verse 40. What do they do, right? So they're like, all right, fine. We'll take your advice, Gamaliel, not God. Okay? So they deny God's, God's mighty works, right? God's works are displayed. God's people are persecuted. And then tragically, God's works are denied. And then look what happens in verse 40. They called in the apostles, they beat them, and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. (laughs) They beat them still, right? Just for good measure, right? Okay, fine, we will let them go, but we're still going to beat them. And and, uh, I was in a conversation last night with someone talking about in Nepal, a church that uh, Evie Free Chico partners with and has incredible things going on there and talking about persecution but let me ask you for a minute um how do you respond when you face opposition like name you you think of the context yourself here whatever it might be when you face any kind of opposition how do you respond let me ramp ratchet it up a, a bit especially when it's unjust opposition how do you respond You're in traffic, someone cuts you off. These crazy people, they don't know the traffic rules, right? Whatever it might be. Let me quickly here share with you uh, what came to mind for me. It was many years ago, my wife and I were dating. And we're at Subway right there near campus. And it was early on in our relationship. And we're at Subway, like this sandwich shop, you know, ordering a sandwich. And the guy working started kind of mocking my stutter. That was for, like, dramatic uh, illustration there. (laughs) Starts mocking my stutter, and I, um, I didn't handle it very well, let's just say. Okay? I've got a little bit of a Napoleon complex and, you know, got, you know, especially when i'm not living out the gospel i do have something to prove and somebody to impress and this and it it was like and my wife now wife uh thankfully you know saw through all this and saw the gospel big enough to know god could change me but she was like that was the first time sadly i could say she's seen many more times but she was like wow like you had veins popping out of your neck i didn't even know were there and you were you just really got clear and and ironically I don't stutter a lick when that happens like I'm just like oh really all right here we go and I'm just like rattling off I was just freestyling there and and yet that's sad that I would be so fickle that that kind of opposition would would bring about that kind of response in me well, how much more here do you see? These people had a right. Like, they were beaten. I've never, thankfully, been, well, I had older brothers, so I've been unjustly beaten in that context a few times growing up, but, like, not for my faith. And, and look how they respond. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That the good news of Jesus is real. How do you do that? Okay, let me just take a moment here. I want us to to settle in here because a lot of times we struggle to connect the dots. And I'll confess, I don't always leave us with applications, right? I'm not really good at acronyms and five steps to implement in your life and stuff. I kind of resist that. But how do you, how do you, understand the gospel in such a way that you rejoice even in the face of of unjust opposition let me just share i mean a i don't fully know i fully experiencing i haven't seen full freedom i do still um, sometimes re- respond like i like i did as a 19 year old in subway but what would it look like again like these apostles who said um we bear witness to these things the gospel is so true and so real, right? Some of these phrases that we just roll off the tongue here, right? We, all of life is all for Jesus. We have nothing to prove and nobody to impress. All, all those things, that's not normal and not natural. And let me tell you, I don't know how to go about doing that on my own. Because like I said, I, my tendency, my nature, and, and my, my guess is most of us here do live our lives with something to prove and somebody to impress, But what would it look like that the gospel is so real that we look at this cross here and we see God's acceptance and approval and forgiveness being so great that when you are struggling with an eating disorder or with the reality of being single and wondering, uh, am I still worthy? Of love, of intimacy, of being challenged, having your your ego, your identity so exposed that, that you want to you know take up a hoagie and go to go to fight with uh, someone across the counter, or you want to wage war in traffic because of the injustice waged against you, that you would have a, a, a clear demonstration that you are so loved and so accepted. That God um, thinks so highly of you, Romans tells us, that he sent his only son to die on the cross. He demonstrates his love for us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we would look at the cross and say, my identity is so secure and so restored, not because I have all these self-help mechanisms, but because I get the gospel and it's coming to bear, it's witnessing, it's transforming in my very heart, my very life, my very identity, that now I can, I can relate with others in such a way that I truly don't have to defend myself. I don't have to look for love and approval and acceptance from here or from there. Guys, that's, that's a radical, mighty work of God that is true and is real, and he's calling us into So now as we respond together, as we pray and we sing these beautiful hymns, let's reflect on the very real life, very practical implications, the good news here of love and acceptance and forgiveness through the person and work of Jesus, the life, death, resurrection, ascension, authority, and rule of Jesus that has very, very real implications for you and me today individually and as a community. Let's sing and respond to this great God. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we love you and we thank you. I pray that through our time together, we have, um, we have heard the good news of Jesus in such a way that we can do no other than to sing, than to come forward, than to pray. Then to give in response, not out of compulsion. Lord, to come forward and to take communion because the body broken and the blood spilled by Jesus is life-defining, is community-shaping and transforming that, that we are no longer enslaved to what someone else thinks of us and the respect we demand. And Lord, that we would understand your mighty works in such a way that we would rejoice knowing that all of life, every up and down, you are the author of the great story that is all of our lives. And Lord, you are the hero. And you've already told us the end. You've already told us that, that we will live forever with you and every tear will be wiped away and, 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 and all, every facet of life will be for your glory and our joy and the good of others. So Lord, let us press into, let us live those realities out today as we respond to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.